0: Bobby Osinski's Inner Circle. I'm Bobby Osinski, and this is a show all about music, music production, and the music business. My guest today is Tom Trones, co-founder and chief product officer for Minuendo Lossless Earplugs. But first of all, I think we've mentioned many times before that there's only four countries that don't pay royalties to artists when they get radio airplay, and that's Iran, North Korea, China, and the United States. Well this has been a problem for a long time and a lot of change that has come up numerous times but has always been defeated by the lobbying of the NAB. That being said, this problem actually becomes wider than just the United States. European countries do pay royalties to artists that get radio play, but they use the fact that there are no royalties in the United States as an excuse not to pay. So what happens to the money? Well. Countries like France collect the royalties and then either divert them to local artists or to local cultural programs. That said, the European Court of Justice has recently ruled that all artists should be paid regardless. All of this can change instantly, though, if the American Music Fairness Act in the United States is passed. This is a bipartisan bill that's now been approved by the House Judiciary Committee. The Senate introduced its own version of the bill in September. Now, you'd hope one of these would pass, but as always, there's really strong opposition by the broadcasters and the NAB. Just to be clear, artists do get paid for streaming and satellite radio, and songwriters get paid for radio airplay, but artists don't. This bill could solve all that, but it needs to be approved by both the House and the Senate and then signed by the President before it becomes a law. In general, though, this is a great idea, but it may be too little too late, and In the end, it's only going to benefit the top 1% who managed to get that radio airplay. If you have any comments or questions, you can send them to questions at bobbyosinski.com. Also, I'm pleased to announce that the 5th edition of my Mixing Engineers Handbook is now available. It's totally updated and includes new sections on mixing and immersive audio, self-mastering, new mixer interviews, and much more. Get your copy at a special discounted price at bobbyosinski.com forward slash handbook. That's bobbyosinski.com forward slash handbook. You can also find it on Amazon and Apple Books. And remember, you can learn all about the latest in music, audio, and production news when you sign up for my newsletter at bobbyosinski.com. There you'll also find out about openings for my latest online classes and special events. That's bobbyosinski.com. Now the role of assistant engineers has changed over the years. And actually today, it's changed a lot. If we go back to the way assistants started, it was usually in a commercial studio and on the basic level, and involved them purchasing food for the session, prepping the room for the day, and then included things like setting up headphones and mic stands, microphones, making a pot of coffee, creating track lists and cue lists. And even back in the day, getting media together like tape and dats and cassettes, and then labeling boxes and keeping track of all the resources so that can be used for invoicing later. Today, there are actually two types of assistants. Those that work with the producer and those who work for studios either as full-time employees or on a freelance basis. In general, the role of assistant involves a large amount of computer literacy and equipment knowledge in both tracking and mixing sessions. Tracking sessions are pretty much the same because we're talking about setting up the gear and even though the gear might have changed, the actual setup hasn't. What has changed though is during the session, the assistant may be involved in clip gaining stems or tuning or resolving timing issues or declicking bad edits because this is actually one of the elements that home studios overlook frequently. It could also involve converting session types, removing pops, fixing crossfades, and finding missing parts or plugins on the material that's received. In some cases, it could be adding a selection of samples to the track for the engineer to decide what they're gonna use and what they're not. There are some basics that haven't changed though, regardless of the time, regardless of where you're at in the studio. A good assistant knows when it's time to be in the room, knows when not to say a word, doesn't speak unless asked, and never offers advice. Being an assistant is still a great way to work your way up in the music business, but you have to follow the unwritten rules first. My guest this week is Tom Trones, co-founder and chief product officer for Minuendo Lossless Earplugs. Minuendo Earplugs can be manually adjusted to 7 to 25 dB with no loss in sound quality. Besides being a musician and audio engineer, Tom has worked for a number of companies as an acoustics engineer. After working as a mixer at a number of festivals, he discovered the need for earplugs as he was asked to raise the sound level ever louder. Learning about the limitations of hearing protection that was on the market led to the development of an earplug that keeps the natural flat frequency response while the attention is easily adjustable. During the interview, we spoke about playing an 8-string guitar. The difference between music and industrial earplugs the different government standards for hearing protection, how your ear canal changes over time, and much more. I spoke with Tom from his home in Oslo via Zoom. You're definitely a guitar player because I can see all the guitars in the background. Let's talk about how you got into the music business.
1: Yeah. Uh, So I started... uh, playing piano as a kid. And then I found the guitar um, as I grew into adolescence and that, you know, took over. And I went to music uh, school and uh, started studying music technology. And, um, you know, I always found the intersection of the the technical side of uh, sound and music and the creative side of it uh, very fascinating. So, uh, so I went into uh, music technology and then uh, further did a full master's uh, sci- of science degree in uh, acoustics and signal processing while I was working as a, um, a producer. So, uh, you know, finding the balance and uh, the synergies between the technical and the creative aspects has been a common theme in my
0: life and career. So you did live sound too, right? Yes.
1: Nothing, uh, nothing huge. You know, I dabbled in a little bit of everything that has to do with uh, audio technical stuff. Uh, so I did, um, you know, festivals, uh, medium, medium size uh, to small uh, gigs and uh, festivals for uh, some years, and that gave me some some experience in in that. But uh, I never did uh, anything like stadiums or thousands of people. So it never reached like the full potential of professionalism, <laughs> but. Uh, uh, I got a taste of uh, what what that lifestyle is about, at
0: least. And then I saw it that you worked at Cisco for a long time.
1: Yeah, so the, this Norwegian company called Tamberg was the leader leader in video conferencing uh, throughout the '90s and 2000s, based here in in Norway. And um, they got acquired by Cisco, so that's uh, how I um, got into that system. And then I started as a acoustics engineer, doing software programming of uh, you know noise uh, uh, reduction and these kind of things. And then I have kind of find find my way within the company to do more of uh, brand management and the sound design for video devices. So you know ringtones and uh, UX sounds and these kind of things.
0: Yeah, it's funny you should mention. Uh, I took a class. On community safety, and it was done in a fire station here here in in their conference room. they had big monitors all over and they were Tanberg oh interesting for conferencing yeah but Tanberg also made tape machines I remember back way back when yeah
1: yeah so so in the so it's based off the same name, but the the company has been through so many. Uh, restructurings over the decades Uh, it it went into like a date part of it and they made TVs at some some point so there's been lots of kind of subdivisions of that company Uh, and uh, I'm not sure it uh, even exists any longer as in any of them them any longer but uh, I think that uh, the video conferencing part of it turned out to be the the biggest uh, before it was acquired by them Cisco, the big American Silicon Silicon Valley giant. Yeah.
0: Before we get into the main thing we want to talk about today, I have to ask you about this. I saw a post from you about an 8-string guitar. Yeah, (laughs) I have it behind me. How's that working out?
1: I haven't played it too much, to be be honest. It's a little bit much for me, but uh, (laughs) I like the, you know, it's a good reason to expand upon the collection when when there's a there's a whole a use case hole <laughs> <laughs> that's a big hole there yeah and uh it's you know it's quite interesting to to noodle around with but i haven't been in any situations where i've uh, had the use for it live or in recording yet but that may still come and uh, <laughs> uh i guess it, it was more driven also by um uh, my kind of passion for upscaling things so uh, so finding this kind of was sold as a decoration instrument at Tommen uh, and uh, then I, you know, I, I used that as a way to practice my luthier skills and setting it up and doing fret levels and uh pickup changes and routing, etc. So uh, if I fail, then, you know, it's not a big deal, but uh, it, it turned out pretty good. So I put some life back into it. I'm happy about that.
0: <laughs> okay, so let's talk about minuendo and actually hearing protection in general. So, what was the inspiration for all this?
1: Yeah, I, you know, personally, I've um, I've been quite diligent in my use of hearing protection ever since I started to play in a band. You know, when I was 16, 17 uh we were in this really small basement un isolated or insulated it was super cold in the winter here in norway and we were sitting really tight next to each other and uh the drummer he was uh, kind of uh, he's really good but he was kind of brute forceish <laughs> with his cymbals and this kind of really heavy metal and i had my Marshall amp literally a foot away from my ear and uh, I just knew then that I <laughs> needed to do something. So the, the use case was so extreme that it prompted me to to get the custom molded earplugs uh, with uh, 25 dB filters in quite early. And I think, yeah, you know, I have kept them ever since and uh, had a I'm always the guy at uh, discotheques uh, that uh, puts toilet paper in my ears if I forgot to wear uh or um bring my plugs along with me so so um i've always been that kind of guy and then the opportunity uh showed up to commercialize some research that had been going on in Trondheim in Norway for about three years where they had developed uh, this very cool membrane technology that could be applied for earplugs so then um, then uh, three others and myself founded the company four years ago
0: what's unique about them is the fact that you can vary the amount of isolation that you're getting
1: yes so the ability to adjust the volume as well as keeping the frequency response flat to keep the the sound natural is uh, unique and uh, that's why so much research was needed so funded by the norwegian uh, government, etc. And then it's been our uh, mission to commercialize this technology over the last four years. And now that has manifested in two products, the one for musicians and concertgoers and music lovers. The second part is more towards industrial workers and um, and uh, more high noise situations at work.
0: How does it differ from the first product?
1: It has much more electronics built in. So it's uh, a smart alert earplug, so it will uh, be have active noise monitoring and alert you whenever you are in a dangerous sound environment and uh, report through a cloud solution if, uh, if you need to uh, adjust in any way, either to the environment or the way that the user is wearing it or something like that.
0: One of the things I liked about your hearing protectors is the fact that there are different, I don't know what you'd call them, different tips to fit different ear canals. And and that was important for me because I've gone through, I don't know how many different hearing protectors and IEMs and everything like that, custom molded and everything. And I have a a ear canal where they all seem to fall out, or most of them anyway. Minuendos were, I was able to find something that worked fairly easily, which I was pleased about.
1: You know, it was really important for us to, since it's a very premium product, we wanted to, to make the, the threshold very low to try it out. So you can you, you can uh, try them and send them back if you don't get a good fit. And then we have 11 different fits of various uh, tips uh, fit tips of various uh, materials and sizes that fit about like over 99.5% of people. Some people do have, you know, very... Uh, abnormal sized ear canals and you know then a custom mold would be a good solution but in reality uh, a lot of people are getting great fit so we've sold a lot of product now and the, the feedback that we get uh, from people that struggle with uh, finding good fit and uh, our generous return policy is really um, a testament to to how how well the selection fits uh, really most ears
0: how long did it take to develop the product?
1: Uh, so it took, took about two and a half years, uh, from the company started to, uh, it was on the market and then, then, uh, the additional time and research before that, which was about three years, I believe. So it takes, say, takes some time and effort and, uh, you know, everything has to be certified as hearing protections then there's different standards in the EU and in the US so you have to go th- through different agencies there so there's a, a lot of red tape to to go through in order to to get a certified hearing protection
0: I had no idea that that was the case so you can't just call something a hearing protector No
1: no no there there's quite strict uh, regulations on it and uh, you know since we're a very innovative product some of these standards n- Aren't not necessarily built for uh, the adjustability of a new hearing protection because you can have them quite open. So they're uh, they're basically just certified in the closed position because uh, you're you're able to open them if you like. Uh, and that's one of the unique things about our earplugs as well is that they're they're only about seven dB attenuating. So that almost feels like you have nothing in your ears when when it's in the open position and then you can adjust to have more attenuation if it's a very loud environment but uh, a lot of times you want to be able to communicate or between songs at a concert for example you just it's still quite loud but you want to just have a little bit of a lid on it and um, i've found that quite useful myself when i've been testing at concerts that uh, and you know feedback from uh, classical musicians that Aren't exposed to extreme noise, but just want a little bit of uh, taking that that harshness uh, away.
0: I'm glad you went there because I didn't realize until recently that orchestral musicians, especially string players, they have high rates of of hearing loss. Yeah, maybe more so than rock musicians.
1: Well, they're. Uh... It's definitely uh, you know some some people in the orchestra. I think most in the orchestras uh, are exposed to potentially hazardous sound levels, and uh, some of the instrument groups are are worse than others. Yeah, uh, you know the the violinist and the violist. They are they have this asymmetric uh, sound, uh, so that ear closest to the instrument is much more exposed. So maybe 10 be more exposed than the other one. And people sitting right in front of the trumpets, for example, maybe are more exposed. And uh, and the the perca- percussionists may have a very large amount of uh, peak uh, or transient sounds in relation to the other instruments. So there are different challenges for them, but uh, in all in all, uh, symphony orchestras uh, really are quite uh, susceptible to noise-induced hearing loss, uh, although we don't. We tried not to use the word noise uh, when speaking about mu- music, but the, most of the legislation uses that terminology. That's why why uh, we use both, <laughs> yeah. When yeah. when talking about music and sound in general,
0: one of the things I noticed as I get older as a player and I'd be playing with drummers that they all started to wear some sort of hearing protection, even if it was just foam in their ears. Yeah, and and this is like a, a loud rock drummer, and and of course the heavier the hitter the more it was necessary but it was also necessary for everybody else you know yeah. on stage to do that i bet you know this is great for most drummers
1: yeah absolutely and um, you know uh, sometimes the friendly fire can be the worst <laughs> if you're bending down next to a drum kit and suddenly the, the sound checks of the cymbals starts and it comes you're, you're unaware that that usually has a much worse effect because the drummers they 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 know when they're going to hit so in some ways that prepares the ear for what is coming what they know is coming so actually for drummers we see kind of even less hearing damage than one would expect although there is uh, quite a lot but less than one would expect based on the sound levels just because you know they they know that the sound is coming they're not usually surprised but maybe the the drum tech or the 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 guy rigging the lights above it might be more even more more exposed
0: okay well that then means that there's somehow the ear is somehow compensating if it knows it's coming it compensates for for the level
1: i th- i think so i mean there are some some um, muscles in the middle ear that um, can uh, constrict the um, eardrum and uh, some of the um, kind of bony transfer yeah I- in the middle ear and uh, that kind of helps but it doesn't work in indefinitely it has some kind of time constriction to it so so but there are some mechanisms that can help if if there's an expectation of when it's coming and uh it has a latency of a few hundred milliseconds so It doesn't have time to react if you don't know it's coming or if it's a very, very short and transient sound.
0: I was reading somewhere, and it might have been on an article that you wrote about how the ear canal actually changes, first of all, as you get older, which you'd expect, but also just the way you're feeling your, your health. I had no idea about that
1: yeah i'm not aware about just you know how how you're you're feeling but if you if you uh, incre- increase your weight for example if you go up and down in weight then you can find that for example custom molds stop uh, fitting as well any, any longer and uh, when um when you get older then you know uh, things change with your anatomy and then that that happens to your ear canal as well so it's not really not not uh, a stable thing as you would think. So so having earplugs, uh, you know, our tips, they have some give. So even just um, chewing and uh, singing along to something, the foam earplugs and the silicon will adapt while custom molds uh, usually or at least before uh, were quite stiff material. And then I was always bothered mine, you know, popping in and out of the, the seal and uh, you, you can find that as you grow older or you, you change weight as well that uh, suddenly they, they won't fit as well any longer.
0: Manufacturers that do hearing aids, you would think that they would be oh, of course it's hearing amplification at that point. but you would think that they would be people that would get into hearing protection since they
1: yeah, and the, there are some some overlap there, and I think there is uh, some trends in the hearing aid industries because these are huge companies you know they're known as the big five there's um there's a handful that are are global producers of hearing aids and they have reached into more of the the commercial um commercial non-health related aspects also so maybe you know true wireless headsets or they're seeing that uh, the changed like legislation in the US means that you can get over the counter without going to a doctor that will have some, you know, light amplification. If you if you maybe uh, I'm not aware of exactly about the the Apple AirPods, but I think they might have some active hear through or maybe some compensation. Certainly there are uh, alternatives that provide that. And for some that have maybe just a mild hearing loss that might be enough for them. So there are some trends in that direction that that makes uh, the hearing aid companies be more interested in these uh, uh related areas but not necessarily in their their uh, main business area.
0: I have a number of friends that are playing their their late fifties sixties and they use uh, hearing aids yep, and there used to be a stigma with it and that's no longer the case i mean even steve Lukather wears hearing aids you know when you have someone like that it kind of tells you that well maybe that's okay maybe it works all right
1: he's been quite outspoken about it and i think that's great for breaking down stigma as well how how has that been for you you know you've been exposed uh, exposed to loud uh, sound throughout your career and have you felt uh you know, some degradation on some frequency, or has that bothered you in any way?
0: Yeah, I have tinnitus, first of all, and it was from my early days of gigging, and especially, I was always on one side of the stage, I was on the left side, so the drummer was... (laughs) You know, so this year got it a lot. Yeah. And um, then, you know, my high end has gone away, but I've learned to compensate. I've been very careful over the last 20 years in the studio very careful, except for once. And um, it was with a very famous engineer. I was producing a record, and, and a very famous engineer was tracking for me. And uh, I walked in the control room, and it was so loud, I thought I was going to vomit. And this was normal for him. And I thought to myself, I will never get used to this. <laughs> but I did. <laughs> you know, And I wore the you know, hearing protection and... It was only a week or or so of tracking, so it wasn't long. But you know, I was wearing hearing protection after that first day. It was like, oh, this is way too loud, and it was just normal for him.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, fatigue of the area is a real thing. So if you know, I, when I've been mi- mixing for hours, uh, maybe the the sound tends to creep up a little bit as the fatigue kicks in, and then when I take a break, you know, you know, everything's a bit mushy. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and if you don't take these kind of breaks then uh then your your reference points will be move move away from the ideal as well so i think having a um, a good awareness around these things will make your mixes more consistent as, as well and the ear itself is actually more linear when it's not so loud when it's in kind of its optimal uh, working area uh, when it gets really loud you know, the ear itself starts to distort on some levels. Uh, You're losing some of that um, dynamic range that you're used to in in the the more normal range of hearing. Uh, And I think um, uh, that can be a quite profound uh, awareness to have as an engineer. Uh, Even even, uh, wearing earplugs at a concert can make it sound better Uh, because it's uh, in a more dynamic area of the ear rather than earplugs oh, they always just ruin the experience i'm just gonna you know enjoy the moment and (laughs) have it loud i can i can really appreciate that that sense and that feeling uh but um yeah i've experienced that as well that often it it can sound better with earplugs if you have good
0: ones i was just at a roger waters concert yeah that's what happened where it was excessively loud and i put the earplugs in and it just it was better (laughs) there's dynamic range it felt like there's dynamic range where there was none before just a constant blare
1: yeah that's that's cool and and i think that that goes in line a little bit with you know our vision of the company we don't want to kind of wag our fingers and say oh if you don't wear earring protection you will uh be deaf by uh by four years old you know we want to to make this, um, you know, you can enjoy life without the compromise. Uh, you can you can have it both ways. You can protect yourself and uh, enjoy yourself, um, and have this kind of positive approach to prevention rather than um, this finger finger wagging approach.
0: What's one thing that people don't know or don't realize, or one thing you wish they knew about hearing protection?
1: I think um, thinking of it as an investment in your self, you know, you if you're a working musician, do you want to work uh, a full career, <laughs> you know, then then uh, that that should motivate you to protect early and, uh, you know, if you're paying $150 or something for a, a good pair of earplugs. Uh, that's a very small cost compared to uh whatever instruments or other gear you have but it's protecting your your number one asset which is your hearing uh whenever you're a musician or uh, working in studios or live music anything like that so so you know uh th- taking that investment but i think the the you're you're so used to the the expensive earplugs being you know twenty dollars rather than you know these foam earplugs and uh, there's so much uh, positive joy of experiences uh, that you're missing out by just using foam ones um, when you're you know pressed
0: but see i think that's the problem in that most musicians especially are exposed to those foam earplugs and as a result they're negative about it it's like oh yeah. yeah yeah it does the job but i hate the way everything sounds and then it's really hard for them to think well wait there's more possible
1: i think think some some people are turned off also by maybe having one negative experience with some true wireless uh, earphones or something like that maybe they just come with one or two uh, tips that don't really fit. Uh, it, it's kind of big, so it rubs their ear. Uh, maybe it's a little bit heavy, so them the, um, that leaves them with the sensation that oh, I don't want anything in my ears, and uh, that that makes them not want to try. You know, better alternatives that might be more comfortable.
0: One of the things about minuendo here earplugs is the fact that you thought it through about how you can keep from losing them. Yeah with the magnets and and everything it's brilliant
1: yeah i mean i I've, I've lost my custom molds um quite a few times on the concert at a concert in in like a mosh pit or something <laughs> like that and miraculously i've found them but we we hear so many stories about people losing their earplugs uh, that we created this uh, magnet snap and the optional Leash that you can have around your neck, so that really helps uh, reduce the chance of losing them at least. Yeah. And it's uh, it's nice to you know always have them ready around your
0: neck. Okay, Tom. Last question on this journey with your company that you started. What's the best piece of advice that maybe someone gave to you or you learned along the way?
1: You know, I'm not the the biggest kind of risk takers. I'm maybe not your typical entrepreneur. I'm uh, kind of this uh, en- engin- engineering approach. Uh, I, I like the the comforts at home and all all the four of us that started the companies. We have you know families and mortgages and uh, and uh, responsibilities. So I think uh, having the 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 startup scene in Norway that where you don't have to bootstrap it and do it in your garage, uh, on your free time and for many years, you know, doing it professional, uh, and, and, uh, together with investors, that that's really been, you know, key to having a good work life balance in the process of, of starting a company and making hardware, hardware in this, uh, or you know, physical products in this day and age is really tough, especially in high cost, uh, countries like ours, but to have uh, high quality, there's a necessity to to keep things uh, quite local, uh, to have control of the whole value chain. So that's at least uh, one thing that I've appreciated, if not learned.
0: (laughs) You can find out more about Minuendo earplugs at minuendo.com. That's Minuendo, M-I-N-U-E-N-D-O. That's minuendo.com. Thanks for listening and being in my inner circle. Remember, if you have any questions or comments, you can send them to questions at bobbyosinski.com. Remember that you can learn all about the latest in music, audio, and production news when you sign up for my newsletter at bobbyosinski.com. There, you'll also find out about openings for my latest online classes and special events. That's bobbyosinski.com. To listen to the episodes of Bobby Osinski's Inner Circle, go to bobbyosinski.com and select the podcast tab, or go to bobbyo com. Or you can find it on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, Mixcloud, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, TuneIn Radio, Radio Public, and Podbean. At bobbyosinski.com and bobbyownercircle.com, you'll also find a sign-in form for my newsletter and for alerts for new podcasts. This is Bobby Osinski. I will see you next time.